God is good and He's always faithful. The Bible tells us that all things will work for the good of those who love Him. As we continue to love Jesus and focus on Him, we can be assured and encouraged that He knows what He's doing in our lives. The Bible also reminds us that as believers in Christ, we ought not to lose heart in doing good because in due season, we're going to reap a harvest. So definitely at the end of it all, it's going to be good and there's also going to be a harvest. It's going to be a good harvest. If we do not lose heart, if we keep on focusing on Jesus. Through these past few months, we've been talking a lot concerning moving forward. But I don't want us to get the wrong idea of what moving forward is all about. Moving forward is not about having a better life or having things easier. But moving forward concerns the kingdom of God and His purpose. Whatever that's happening in our time is not an event of chance. It ought to open our eyes to the urgency of the hour that we are living in. As Christians, the return of Jesus cannot be ignored. Yes, Jesus is going to return again. Why not turn to your neighbor, tell your neighbor, Jesus is coming back. Amen. The signs of our times are crucial for us. But today we are not going to get into the whole thing of predicting when He's going to come back. But I want to encourage us to be prepared for His return. The hour is closer than we think. We must appreciate the grace that God has given to us. Don't pray to God to make it easier for us, but rather pray for God's grace to help us to align to His kingdom and also to His will. Friends, Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 to 14, it says this, You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and His gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. So here Jesus gave a clear distinction between the two gates. One is a narrow gate and the other a broad gate. The narrow gate leads to life and the broad gate is a highway to hell. One has a few on it, but the other has many on it. This serves as a strong reminder that majority doesn't always win. God's grace is not to broaden the narrow gate for our lives. In fact, God's grace is to help us to stay on the narrow path. Even though it's difficult, we thank God for His grace because His grace is not going to lead us to where He will not be able to keep us. So no matter how, friends, I want to say this, there are no alternatives to the kingdom of God. Narrow is the way, narrow is the gate. Choosing the narrow gate doesn't mean that we become narrow-minded. There's a big difference between choosing the narrow way and being narrow-minded. The narrow way is having a clear focus on living a life that pleases God. So in this time, friends, I pray that we will choose to live our lives. We will always choose God first above everything. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 25, and we're going to read from verse 1 to verse 13. Then the kingdom of heaven, everybody said the kingdom of heaven, shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lambs and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lambs and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lambs. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. 
Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lambs. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lambs are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and for you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the hour nor the day in which the Son of Man is coming. This is a parable of Jesus concerning the last days. For many, it is a nice Bible story about lambs, oil, and going to a wedding. But this is a parable of warning about the conditions of the believers in the last days. The coming of the bridegroom signifies the return of Jesus. The Bible here tells us that all ten of them, they were virgins. They all belonged to the same group waiting for the return of the bridegroom. The comparison here is of the same kind. They all came with the same focus. But there's a distinction here that five were foolish and five were wise. While the bridegroom has yet to arrive, all of them fell into a slumber. Friends, the timing is not for us to determine. It is the solely the right of the bridegroom. It is solely the right of Jesus when he's going to return. In fact, we have read just now, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. So the day and the hour of Jesus' return is not the chronological time, it's not the chronos. But here it tells us it is the perusia time, it is the return of Jesus. Being in a slumber doesn't mean that we can be ignorant. Because in verse 6, it tells us that there was a wake-up call. There is a wake-up call. It says this, And at midnight a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. The danger is that many believers don't even bother about what is going on. Even when the cry is heard, they see the things around them, yet they become ignorant. They care less about whatever that's happening around them. There is a wake-up call in our time. But the question is, are we awake or are we being oblivious? I hope none of us who is listening to this message is oblivious to the call even in these last days. The Lamb must always be like the Christ is not going to come back for a lightless bride. Remember Jesus taught from the Sermon on the Mount that believers are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. No one is going to light a candle and put it under a basket, but to put it on a lampstand so that it will give light in the entire room. Friends, the light that God has given to us are meant to shine. It is not meant to be hidden. Light is a separation from darkness. Light is very distinct. Our lives must distinguish us from the world, not to be extinguished by the world. No matter how hard we try to justify, there can be no worldly Christians. So we cannot be both worldly and godly at the same time. 
We have to make up our minds that there can be no mixture in our lives. We can't be sometimes have light and sometimes no light. So we cannot you know, be a, Christians who, who are only seasonal. But we ought to be Christians, followers of Christ our entire life. Friends, the light must always be lighted. And then in verse 7, it says this, after they, you know, it says this, Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. When they heard the cry that the bridegroom is returning, all of them got up and they trimmed their lamps. The Greek word here for trimming is the word kosmio. Alright, everybody say kosmio. This is a very important word. Because it's, it means to put things in order. The trimming of the lamp requires careful attention in order for the wick to continue to burn. So you cannot just expect it to burn by itself, but you need to pay careful attention to the wick and also to the oil. The light will shine brighter where there is trimming. So when we put our lives in order, our life, the light that's in us, is going to shine even brighter. So even in this time that we are living in, let us put our affairs, let us put our priorities in order, let us put our lives in order so that we can be of greater effectiveness for the kingdom of God. Amen? The lamb does not burn by itself. That's why they need to bring the extra oil. In other words, our salvation also requires our attention. Not just attention, but careful attention. Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, that we ought to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Not in fear and trembling, but with fear and trembling. So there must be a great regard for the salvation, for the light that God has given to us. I like what the New Living Translation says. It says this, work hard to show the results of your salvation. So there must be a distinguishing things, all right, or there must be something that would distinguish us from the world. And our salvation must bear fruits. Yes, we are not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. Amen? Turn to your neighbor. Tell your neighbor you are saved for good works. All the lambs need oil to keep burning. The only difference here is this, that the five wise virgins, they brought more oil. But the five foolish virgins, they didn't have enough. The wise ones, they were prepared, but the foolish ones, they were not prepared. Wisdom here is not about intellectual prowess, but it's a matter of preparation. So I want to encourage us, and also to warn us, that if we think that we can just make it barely enough, I want all of us to think again. It is better to be more prepared. Oil often signifies the Holy Spirit and the anointing of God in the Bible. Yes, we spur each other on, but we cannot be dependent on other people's anointing. We can't depend on other people's relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to each and every one of us. And the Bible says that He is the Spirit of truth. He will guide us into all truth. In times like this, I want to encourage us to hunger for more of the Holy Spirit so that He can lead us and guide us into His truth and to understand the times and the seasons that we are in. And also, not just the knowledge of it, but also to help us to pre be prepared 
for his return. Friends, the truth is this. We can't live based on other people's faith. Yes, we can encourage and inspire each other, but we need to know God ourselves. We cannot live on other people's faith, other people's anointing. Let's turn to, look, let's turn to verse 8 and verse 9. It says this, And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. So clearly, they didn't have enough. They thought they had, they had enough, but here clearly it says that they did not have enough. So they are like the, the lamp that, that they had, the light was burning out. And then it says this, but the wise answer saying, No less there should, be, there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. At first glance, it seems that the wise, they were being selfish. But it's not a matter of selfishness. This tells us, listen to me well, if we don't get ready, when we have the opportunity, it will be too late. I want to say this again. If we don't get ready, when we have the opportunity, it will be too late. Note that the foolish ones, they went out to buy oil. Later on, they came back because they found oil. But it was too late. In verse 10, and while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready, so everybody said ready, so those who are prepared, amen, they went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. In verse 11, afterward, the other virgins, the foolish virgins, came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. They were able to come because they found oil. But then, what Jesus said here in verse 12, But he answered and said, Surely I say to you, I do not know you. There is an appointed time for us. This is the Kairos moment for us to understand the importance of God's kingdom and to be prepared for His return. Don't be ignorant. If you have not given much thoughts to the affairs of your soul and your spirit, I urge you to start thinking right now. Our life in Christ is not just about blessings and breakthroughs, about, you know, the good things that we're going to receive. A big part of it is to be prepared for the return of Jesus. Yes, Jesus is returning. Friends, I pray that all of us will understand and know the urgency of the hour that we are living in. If you ask me, Pastor, what have you learned in these past few months? It will be these few things. For me, it is about setting our priorities right. Friends, I pray that God will always be number one in our lives. I remember what Solomon says, the wisest man on the face of the earth. He said this, everything is vanity and at the end of it all, what matters is to fear God and keep His commandment. I pray every one of us from this moment onwards 
will put in greater attention, careful attention, to have our priorities set right. Secondly, is a set of focus right. This is a time that we need to look to Jesus more than ever before to be able to set our eyes upon the author and perfecter of our faith. Because at the end of it all, friends, He is going to return and every eyes is going to be set on Him. And thirdly, set our relationship right. Our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. It is so important that we get our relationship with God right and also relationship with each other so that we can inspire each other, we can encourage each other, spur each other on to pursue everything that God has for us. And lastly, set your life right. I said earlier on that we need to put our lives in proper order. Friends, in these past few months, a lot of securities that seem to be important to men have all crumbled down. Our only true security is in Christ Jesus. All the more, we need to set our focus and our sight on Jesus Christ. So before we end, for those of you who do not know Jesus and you're listening to this message, I want you to know that Jesus, He loves you. Jesus is going to return again. I want to invite you to open your heart to Jesus and ask Him to be your Lord and your Saviour. And for those of us who are Christians, I pray the urgency of the hour is going to grow even stronger. And we need to take this time. We need to take God's grace, not for granted, but to be prepared for His return. Yes, Jesus is returning again. The signs of the times that we are living in are pointing towards that. And we can't be ignorant. So friends, I urge you, open your heart to allow the Holy Spirit to work in your lives. So for those of you, you want to invite Jesus into your life, I want you to say this prayer together with me. Dear Jesus, I pray that you will come and be my Lord, be my Savior. I thank you for your saving grace. Lord, I choose to believe in you and repent of my sins. Lord, thank you that Lord, you are not a God who remain in a tomb, but you have said in your word that you're going to return again. So Lord, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. Be my God and teach me how to live my life, to follow after you. Holy Spirit, fill me right now in Jesus' name. And for the rest of us, let us pray that the urgency of the hour is going to grow stronger. Don't be ignorant. Why not turn to your neighbour? Turn to your neighbour. Don't be ignorant of the return of Jesus. If you have been ignorant of the affairs of your soul and your spirit, I encourage you, take this moment. Take a deep thought. Put in some thoughts to your life. It's time to set things in order. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would come and challenge our hearts, inspire our hearts to know that the urgency of the hour 
that the hour of your return is nearer than we think. So Lord, we don't want to take this time for granted. We don't want to take your grace for granted. But Lord, teach us. Lord, to be prepared to make every preparation possible, O God, for your return. So Lord, we pray that the purpose of your kingdom will grow even stronger. Lord, the love towards you will grow even deeper. Lord, we pray that in Jesus' name, be with us. Lord, if we have been ignorant, forgive us. Lord, we pray that in Jesus' name, help us, O God. Lord, to set things in order, to set our focus right, to set our priorities right. Lord, to know that, God, that you are coming back again. Lord, we thank you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. This sermon has been brought to you by Harvest Generation Church. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged.